So Broad's got half an over left here at Carey. Can he keep it going? Bowls here. Carey caught behind! Broad's finished it in magnificent style. Australia with a 2-0 advantage in this series. Their wait to win in England will last another four years at least. England square the series, 2-all, and it feels fitting. Yes, Stuart Broad gets the last wicket. Australia dismissed for 334. England victorious by 49 runs to square the series at two tests apiece. On the line now, Bryce McGain, part of the SEN family and, of course, former Australian test leggy. Bryce, welcome. What did you make of it? Well, that was the very moment where it felt like an elephant sat on my chest and I felt all that pain go through me that last wicket. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was... Uh, yeah, look, it was so close yet uh, yet so far, just uh, the 49 runs. And um, it was just an epic series. It, it really ebbed and flowed. And I think in the end, uh, we can see a fitting result for two really combative teams. Um, England certainly have changed the way the Test cricket gets played and Australia have found a, a solution for most of the time. And uh, it was blow for blow and... Uh, Different styles against different styles. It was uh, it was so riveting to watch, um, so rewarding, uh, and you know, in the end, I think, as I said, yeah, two alls, uh, a pretty fitting end result. Did the Poms get a moral victory? You think, Bryce, of the five tests, probably um, the three of them were knife edge um, tests, and you got the feeling that the Poms were slightly the better team in this one, and and clearly the better team when rain interrupted them at Old Trafford. Yeah, I think they, they probably got some more momentum when their backs were right against the wall, 2-0 down. Um, I think Australia played really well early on in, in in sounding out the way this game gets played. I think England evolved the way that they played as well. They weren't quite as reckless as what they were in those first couple of tests. Um, and that they waited for their moments to really pounce. And, you know, we think of... That you're talking about the drawn test at Old Trafford when they just piled on runs in, a, in on day two, the session number two, scoring 175 runs in about 25 overs. It was just out of control. It was pure carnage to, to try and control what was going on. That was when they really put the foot flat to the floor. But I think by and large, they were a bit more measured in those last three tests from um, their reckless batting. I think that held them in, in good stead and probably got them a few extra runs. I don't think we can underestimate the in, that the players that they brought in improved their team as well. And I'm talking of the two Ws, Woods and Wokes, had an immediate impact on that third test, also the fourth test and the fifth test as well. Wokes being acknowledged by Andrew McDonald, uh, who, who acknowledged that as the best player in that England series, and he had an enormous impact. So I don't think we can underestimate the inserts that they had um, to just stead steady the tide towards uh, England being on top in those last three tests. It's an interesting point you make because we kind of locked ourselves in, I felt, with David Warner at the top of the order. Now, I know he scored 60 in this test match, but, I mean, four times past 50 in 31 digs, surely this is the time to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, we need to find one new opening batsman. Yeah, uh, and I've said along the way, Duff, that, you know, he's been okay. He hasn't been... Poor, uh, he, two eighty-five runs at twenty-eight point five is a is a huge improvement from what we saw last time when he went to England. Uh, a couple of fifties in there, 
some good opening stands with Usman Kawaja, who who was a terrific batsman, the leading run scorer, four ninety six runs at, at just a tick under fifty, was superb and a superb return as a left hander facing the new ball in England. Uh, we, we couldn't expect anything more from from the way that he went about. I think Warner was a capable ally at the top of the order without being outstanding. He he was steady, he was reliable. And then we look to the future and go, do we need that in Australia? Um, he, his record in Australia is much better. He wants to get through to the the, uh, the Sydney Test. It's a long, long way away. And there's a fair bit of cricket to be played, a World Cup in between, of course. Um, so maybe we just hold for now on on Dave Warner and where he sits at the top of the order. But uh, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure the selectors will want to to fulfil his desire to go through, but they've also got to do the best thing for the Australian team, and uh, maybe that is to make that change before he desires it. Mate, I reckon the tail's wagging the dog here, and I reckon there's a bit of this with the Australian team at the moment. This is very much a player-controlled culture at the moment, and clearly that's a swing from the, the autocratic and military style, if you like, of Justin Langer. I mean, I don't really give a flying fig when David Warner wants to retire. I want the bloke at the top of the order to be averaging better than 28 and making more than 450s in, in 31 innings. And uh, um, this is a good time to do it for me. Uh, they have players in reserve, don't they? Matt Renshaw's making runs. Cameron Bancroft had a great Sheffield Shield season. You know, Marcus Harris has always been in the wings. Why does a bloke say, this is, this is elite sport, why does one bloke say when he gets to retire? Uh, yeah, and I, I guess I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Uh, sometimes it takes a strong chairman of selectors to go, now's that time, now's that time. And we probably felt it was the time uh, at the end of the Australian summer and, and thought that uh, maybe we could make that change going into the, the ashes beforehand. They didn't. Uh, they stuck with Dave and they stuck with the, the tried and true, I suppose, and, and trusted that it, it's been okay but maybe that's the decision they need to do now. It's what's better for the Australian cricket team is, is, is potentially um, making that change and saying, look, we know that this is what you would like to do, but Australian cricket needs this to occur now. So let's make that change. I think it would be a good introduction uh, for a player, say like a Marcus Harris, who's had a taste before. He's gone back to Sheffield Shield cricket and improved his game. He, he's got better, um, as is Cameron Bancroft. He's, in, he's got better. Uh, Renshaw, he's got better. So they're, they're good options that they can go to. Renshaw's done most of his work in the middle order, though, um, and and, uh, and changed the way that he sort of played rather than being that pure opener. But he can open, of course. So they've gone back, improved. Now, I guess, with a, can we say, a softer opposition, Duff? Is that is that a better way to put it for the Australian summer? Maybe it's yeah. a good start to get them a good run on and uh, fulfil their career to the, the, the full expectation. Now, obviously, you would have seen the 05 series, which was an absolute classic in England as well, which obviously we got beaten in. But how does this series rate? There were three, well, probably four classic games in the, in this series, weren't they? Is it one of the great Ashes series from your memory? It, it, it is my favourite one. Um, the only thing missing was uh, was Shane Warne uh, wreaking havoc, and uh, that's what really drew me into loving uh, what what was going on in Ashes series and uh, having the upper hand with he and McGrath and knowing that they could turn the game for Australia at any stage. But in terms of the way that England are playing now, 
um, the brashness, the, the the support, the the complete change of how their their dressing room is operating, which is around this belief, and sometimes it, it even sounds like they're a bit brainwashed with with this over positive outlook on what they do. But I can understand what they're endeavouring to do with this squad. And they, they believe. They believe that they are capable. And we're seeing that with Zach Crawley, who under any other regime simply wouldn't be playing. But he's just completely supported. And we've seen an amazing innings, 189 uh, in that test that was a draw in that fourth test at Old Trafford. You, you've seen players um, really embrace the way they go about it. Um, it it's been absolutely compelling. I, I think it is the, the best Ashes series that certainly in my lifetime that I've been able to to really absorb, and uh, I haven't missed too many balls. A couple of times the eyelids got a bit heavy, uh, I must admit, but uh, I haven't missed too many balls, and it just had me on the edge of my seat um, all the way through, and I'm sure that there's uh, people around the world, England, um, Australian supporters, but even uh, through the subcontinent, are, are just riveted with what was going on in this Ashes series. It, it was um, absolutely epic. <clears throat> Quick question from Dave. The ball, the changing in the ball, should there be an investigation? Yeah, I think there needs to be a question, and and how that how that came about, it, it was clearly this vision of it. Um, if you're unsure, it's on social media. Check it out. Um, there was a ball that was 37 overs old. It was worn. The seam was depressed, and uh, it had very it had hints of riding on there, but was scratched up. The ball they got given, and Usman Khawaja mentioned it in the post-match uh, on the broadcast, was it felt like it was eight overs old, and it had riding on both sides. It was shiny. It still had lacquer on it. So to get a new ball at 37 overs effectively um, shifted the way the game played. That ball started uh, swinging around. It started moving off the seam, and with that pronounced seam, more spin was produced as well. So it had a monumental impact uh, before the rain break, uh, Australia losing three wickets, and then uh, it, it had a had a big uh, in, impact through the rest of the innings. So much so that in the 94th over, the ball's hitting the seam and carrying through above the keeper's head. So it really felt like it was a 60 overall ball, maybe even a bit younger than that. It was it was quite incredible. It had a big big shift in the game. It would be interesting to know from the ICC and the umpires why they chose that particular ball at that moment because it does need to be a like-for-like, like, and that was not a like-for-like like replacement. Thanks for joining us on the show, Bryce. Thanks for all your insights on this Ashes series. We look forward to talking to you again closer to the Australian summer. Great to catch up again. Have a ripper day.